Hello, and welcome to the Cinemondo Podcast with Kathy, Mark, and Burke talking about movies, horror, sci-fi, unusual, unknown, forgotten, underappreciated, always interesting. Wow, you did your very best, uh, you know, um, voiceover for like a coming attraction, like a preview. Should I try it that again? That was that total trailer voice right there. <laughs> <laughs> Please know. visit the snack bar. <laughs> Only one man. Delicious you know, hot dogs and candy. No, it's more like only one man can save podcast. In a world gone mad. They took, <laughs> his, they took away his life. They took away his... <laughs> and only one man. Well, that guy that did... I forgot his name, but he passed away a few years ago. And yeah. He, would, he did Fontaine. all that stuff. That was his name, yes. And, yeah, uh, but the funny thing is that trailers don't really use those kind of voiceovers anymore, which is sad. It's always just clips from the movie, you know. You yeah, don't really true. get that. You know, when you see an old trailer from the 70s or something. Oh, my God. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah. It's, all about, it's all about the voiceover. Yeah. That's true. Except if they, you see trailers sometimes for foreign films. That obviously, it's it's a little different. It's the mu- it's music, and sometimes you get the uh, the voiceover. Yeah, but trailers. a lot of it, yeah, a lot of it is the American, you know, the American distributor put the voiceover on there. So it's right. like, right. you know, a wonderful exotic adventure from a European <laughs> master. <laughs> exactly, it's a lost art. <laughs> a drama from far, far away. Trailers are great, though. I, I just you I know, love trailers. I can watch tons of trailers. Sometimes well, trailers actually, are better than the movies. Oh God, yeah. But the old ones are great. The old ones just have this scent, like especially for like horror sci-fi type movies, they have this just sense of excitement to them. You know, when you go to the, I mean, this is going to date me, but like going to the, I used to go to the drive-in movie theater, and it was literally like one of those grindhouse drive-in. You know, it would be like a triple feature, Cry of the Banshee, and all those kind of <laughs> movies, and you'd see those. Those grindhouse trailers, you know, grueling horror beyond comprehension. Those but it came through things. those those that those three inch speakers that clipped to your yeah. window <laughs> and always scraped you. You took it off and go, "Why did you scrape the hell out of my window?" Here? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and now I, with the whole pandemic, kind of drive-ins are kind of coming back. Yeah, I wonder. Yeah, I heard well, that. Are, like people are doing homemade drive-ins. Yeah, they can I heard do drive-ins again. I heard that Bob's Big Boy in Burbank is is reinstating their car hop thing. No kidding. Yeah. They're reopening and they're going to have car hops going out, I guess, on roller skates. I don't know. Well, that place is, you know, it looks just the same as from the 50s or 60s. I kind of kept that, you know, the look is the same. And in the back, you can see where they'll park the cars and people come out. Yeah, it's still got the car hop things back there. And it's still, all the hot rods are out there. So, yeah, maybe we'll we'll go back to the old days of going to the drive-in. Everybody's going to just sit in their car and watch movies. That sounds good to me. (laughs) Or just sit (laughs) at home and watch movies. (laughs) Well, speaking of that, um, one of our favorite filmmakers, Mike Flanagan, has recently put out a binge-watching top ten list of independent low-budget films that he loves and recommends that we all watch. And it's a great list. Yeah, it's a really and good he, list. Yeah, and if people don't know who he is, he did the recent Netflix series "Haunting of Hell, Hell House, Hill House, Hill House." Yeah, yeah. Um, and Doctor Sleep. And Doctor Sleep. And Gerald's and hush, Game. Hush before I sleep. I mean, before I wake. Absentia. Plenty of great movies. Yeah, Absentia was, and, I think, the first time I ever heard of him, and I was like, okay, this is somebody to watch. Gerald's Game. 
He's yeah. he's fantastic because he yeah. he tends to bring a lot of humanity to his horror films. Like you care about the characters, and there's a lot of uh, and they're not just like oh character exposition. It's actually interesting character dynamics even before anything starts kicking in. So you yeah. care. It's great. And I think on this list, and I haven't seen all the films. I've seen eight of the ten. One thread is that a lot of the characters are fully developed characters. You care about what happens to them, and I think that's why. That's one of the reasons they make the list, other right. than their in, independent films and you know smaller budget films, yeah. which he's trying to promote also. Well, Mike Flanagan is associated with Stephen King now because he's done some Stephen King stories, and that's the thing we always talk about Stephen King. It's always the characters, you know. You got to. You have to know and care about these people that you're watching in a film or reading it about in a book before you buy, you know, the, the scary stuff or the, you know, suspenseful yeah. stuff or whatever. And Flanagan understands that. And so his list is really, like you were just saying, it's really a lot of character-based stories. It's, um, I mean, I have not, I've probably seen less of these than you guys because you guys are like the full-on horror people. <laughs> I like I like a good horror movie, but it's harder to get me to watch them. <laughs> well, these are worth checking out. Again, uh, let's talk. We, there's two on here that we've talked about in past podcasts, so we'll just yeah. mention those two. One, yeah. one of them is uh, The Endless, which is um, a great Don't, movie. Should we start at the top? Oh, you want to start at the top? Okay. Because as I'm hopping around, if we just go down. Okay. okay. Sure. I think it'd be easier to keep track. And also, okay. I think we should read his little blurb what he said about the movies whoever wants to do that okay do you want me to read that yeah a little blurb it's kind of long well no, what about if we just read out. this one part where it says these are the kind of movies where such purchases make a difference um like if you're you know to really sort of uh help these uh filmmakers because a lot of them are very independent filmmakers and so mm-hmm. You know, in a time when the theaters are all closed and the entertainment industry is all shut down and everything, it's like a good idea to, you know, rent these movies on, you know, whatever they, whatever streaming service or whatever. And to get, you know, everybody to watch them, talk about them, you know. And he says, you know, quote, I can speak from personal experience that each and every rental or purchase makes a real and tangible difference. Yeah. And so even if they're not, if they're for free, like on Netflix, they also count how many times, uh, you know, a certain program has been uh, streamed. And, right. and that, that means something. So, and, and also if you, anyway. and if you watch it and then you post something on Facebook, hey, I watched this really cool movie, you know, or, you know, you tell your friends, oh, you should check out this movie. Then that's how movies become big. And that's how filmmakers make more films. <laughs> and that's sort of like why uh, one of the reasons we started Cinemondo was also yeah. to turn spotlight on a lot of um, more obscure films. They're not always obscure, but I feel like we do kind of put an emphasis on lesser known, you know, films. Yeah, and that, I always like doing that because you feel like you're you're um, you know bringing support to that that filmmaker or, or that genre that needs the support. Yeah. Plus, you get that thought that you're watching maybe a potential filmmaker, you know, starting out. And maybe, you know, having some a career that you can follow. And that's right. somebody so that you feel a part of it as opposed to like huge, you know, Hollywood studio thing. It's a different kind of connection to that movie. Which so. is how we were with Mike Flanagan, because I remember when we were when Absentia came out and we were all talking about it. Wow. Did you see this movie? It's so cool. It's really low budget. And you can tell that it was a labor of love kind of a film and it's a really unusual story probably wouldn't have been produced by a major studio or whatever blah blah and we were we really were pushing that movie and you know we were like this guy Mike Flanagan 
I'll be interested to see what his next movie is. And then, you know, all these years later, he's made these huge things and he's, he's always good. You know, he's, he's yeah. definitely, he's been, it's been a good payoff to follow him, you know? <laughs> yeah. So let's start with the first movie. All right. Let's- yeah, this is the one that none of us have seen. But we can read um, his blurb for it because you know it does sound like a really good film, and I keep wanting to see it, but it, it feels pretty heavy. Uh, and that's sort of like uh, when I go to horror, a lot of times I want to see kind of trashy light horror because I don't want to have to go too deep. But this movie sounds like it's disturbing on a level that's not like you know the you know fun slasher movies. It's a whole different level of horror. Mm. Yeah, it's uh, it's called Tigers Are Not Afraid. In parentheses, I think that's pronounced well then. Uh, it's from 2019, and this is what he has to say about it. Uh, Isa Lopez's urban fairy tale is smart, scary, and so beautifully crafted. Part exploration of childhood trauma, part crime fantasy, and all rendered with skill, heart, and talent that cements Lopez and an auteur, as an auteur to watch. There is a palpable magic to this movie and the classic feeling of seeing children lost in the woods. In this case, the dark forest is an urban jungle, and the monsters that call it home are decidedly human. Sounds interesting. Yeah, it sounds does. pretty heavy so, duty. And I like that you know he's calling out, there's a few female directors on this list, which I think is very cool, because women can do horror, too. Which brings us to the second film. Yes, another which woman. Which is A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night from 2014. And I have not seen this one, but you guys both keep telling me, watch it, watch it, watch it. Well, I saw it. I'll just say I saw it when it came out, so uh, about five or six years ago. But I do want to see it again. I thought it was mesmerizing and a one-of-a-kind film. But, uh, Kathy, you saw it recently, so you can speak to the particulars of it better. Well, um, it's basically it's an American-Iranian woman directed it. They actually shot it in California Desert. Um, I didn't really know that at first. I mean, you'd never know it. Uh, but it's more of an Iranian kind of dreamscape, but it's essentially kind of a vampire Western. Because it's described um, here, black and white Persian vampire Western. Yes. Yes. I know. They say Persian, <laughs> but it's actually Iranian. Oh. <laughs> yeah. And, and the filmmaker's name is Anna Lily Amapur. Oh, right. Okay. And, and this is her yeah. first film, I guess. I uh, think so, yeah. yeah. No, no, she came out, she did a movie that I saw recently called The Bad Batch. Oh, okay. uh, She actually, I think she wrote it. It was directed by somebody else, maybe. But it started, it was very, it's, it's on Netflix. It's an odd film, not entirely yeah. successful, but interesting. Worth seeing. Well, what, what would it, why would I want to watch this movie, guys? Tell me. Well, you know what's interesting about it to me? Like, when I hear about it, it's an Iranian, I think an Iranian vampire film. That just sounds like, oh, no thanks, right? <laughs> it just sounds like it's I don't kind of, know. It sounds like. Well, yeah. you know, you're like, what? But it's so stylish. It's black and white. When they open on it, I, automatically I was surprised by it because they open on this very good-looking James Dean-looking guy. He's got the tight T-shirt on. He's got the jeans. He's sort of like looking kind of, you know you know, sullen like James Dean and he's walking down this kind of dirt road and he finds this cat instantly. I get nervous right? because he picks up this cat and just kind of walks away with it. I'm like, what's going to happen to this cat? Um, and it's just beautifully shot and it's very modern, but in a retro cool fifties way. I was going to say, I, Berg, I think you would like it because it actually reminded me of uh, like Eve Italoni, it has the, a, a black and white sort of fifties vibe look to it. Like if you say that world, uh, but with a, with a horror or thriller, you know, a- angle to it. So it's guys yeah. hang hanging out on Vespas and stuff, chatting and uh-huh. that kind that kind of vibe. 
So it's very has. Uh, I said this feels like a Fellini film in some ways. Just oh. the, the look of it. Yeah. Yeah, it's sort um, of kind of jar, jarmouche, uh, you know, where sure, the sure. good-looking young people kind of you know just talking and and they they bring in. I think what made it so fresh is bringing kind of that that undertone of Iranian culture. Mm-hmm. Um, you're getting a little peek into that, um, and just uh, there was a scene that I thought was so interesting where the main protagonist is a woman. She wears like a long, it's in the key art. She wears like a long, you know, head covering that is, you know, cape-like. It's not like really a burka. burka. Oh, not sort a of, but not quite. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so there's a scene where she doesn't have the burka on, but she's in, uh, it's in her apartment, but there's the, the, the disco light. There's like a light that's spinning and it's all black and white. It's just close up on her on one side of the screen. And she's just standing there listening to this cool music. And it's kind of eighties influenced. And it's just her leaning and looking down at something we can't see, this long scene. And then slowly from the opposite side screen, he the this man comes walking in. He's dressed like a vampire, but it was more for like just a costume party. Hmm. He's kind of slowly <laughs> walking up toward her, a very slow, languid scene where he comes and comes up and she kind of slowly turns on. It was such a beautiful, weird scene in the middle of this. I just loved it. Just oh. what is happening? Like it's just so I, I could see any other filmmaker be like, this is going on too long, it's too right. slow, this will never work, and then just totally works. I mean, the tone this woman sets is just amazing. Well, that's the thing a lot of times with independent films. You see, you know, the 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 idea that a film studio might say, hey, that's too long, let's cut that down, you know, let's make this, let's edit, you know. But the, the independent films a lot of times represent the you know, the art of the of the director, the writer, whatever, without a lot of interference, you know, and you get to see a pure pure film you know pure artistic expression in a film and you know they probably would have said let's make it in color people don't want to go see a black and white movie you know so you're seeing something that's more of a a creation of an artist when you see independent films yeah Yeah, it's a it has a hypnotic vibe to it i remember just watching that's that was a -a one-of-a-kind film that's the way i felt so so yeah yeah, definitely like I highly recommend people watch this film. I will check yes. that out. Me yes. too. Highest next. recommendation. <laughs> yes, very high. The next one, uh, I, I actually saw the next one. It's called uh, it's called Harpoon, and it it's a 2019 film, and uh, it is described in his uh, blurb here as a wickedly funny thriller by uh, director Rob Grant. And it's a it's isolation thriller. It's an isolate. It's a sort of a darkly comic isolation murder thriller kind of a it's thing. It's like a boat. I almost call it like the boat thrillers. Yeah, like there's <laughs> boat thriller films, you know, that all take place on a boat. And so it's definitely isolation, like you said, because they're trapped out in the ocean usually somehow, you know, yeah. or they're on a boat. And it's always a super weird sight, you know, dynamic between the people on board. Right. What's going to happen because they're all trapped together and there's always some weird shit happening. Like that movie Triangle uh, that we watched a while back. Or there's one called The Boat, which is out there, which is an interesting film. It's just one person on a boat the whole movie. Well, there was a... Deadcom was the yeah the Philip Noyce film. Yeah. And what was the Robert Redford one that he did? That was yeah, that was that one. I can't remember the name of it, but the, that was him. And he basically yeah. doesn't say anything in the whole movie, or maybe has one line of dialogue. And also, know? Attack of the Mushroom People, which I think is the, one of the classics. I love that movie. That's a boat. It's a boat thriller. Gilligan's Island. I guess they end up on an island. Right? That's true. Yeah. <laughs> but they end up on an island on a boat. <laughs> See, I consider that island horror. <laughs> 
but yeah, this one, one is great. a yeah this is a this is an independent film you can tell it's low budget there's no big stars in it but the cast is great they're all you know they're all exactly what they need to be for a movie like this and it and it's a, um it's beautifully shot too there's nothing cheesy looking about it or the sound is good you know the production is is nice even though um you know they probably shot the the um scenes on the deck of the boat you know in a in a on a pier, you know, <laughs> and then the interiors were done on a stage. But one thing that I love to see in a film where people are supposed to be on a boat, a lot of times when you go from the deck down to the inside of the boat, there's a change, like an almost imperceptible change where you go from an actual location to a sound stage, right? Because you're not really going to go shoot inside a real boat when you're down on the inside of the boat because it's just too tiny and cramped in there. You can't get all your crew and equipment in there. So you have to do it on a soundstage. And one thing a lot of filmmakers forget is the fact that the, the, sh- the stuff that you shot up on the deck has a certain f- feel to it. There's a movement. There's a rocking. The people are moving a little bit. There's, a, there's wind and all that. And, but this film got that. You know, there was the, whoever shot it, the DP, can't remember their the dp's name at this moment but he got the um there's a little subtle move camera movement while they're down inside the boat which really is not enough to make you sick but just enough to make you realize you're still on a moving boat that's out in the ocean it doesn't just sit there all static like you're on a on a sound stage well i love the cast yeah i mean we have Monroe Chambers plays kind of this kind of stoner-looking guy. You right. know, he's a little more disheveled, uh, t-shirts. You know, just kind of this guy. Hey, man, what's up? You know. And then Christopher Gray is perfect as a douchey jock, super <laughs> hyper alpha. You know, just perfect, just hyper aggressive and dominant in every situation. And then Emily Tyra, who's his girlfriend, who has that super entitled, almost like she was a former cheerleader, you know, and she, but she's kind of a little more badass and bossy and she kind of like talks him down, you know, when the, the jock who plays Richard, um, when he is, you know, kind of spinning out of control a little bit, like she can kind of control him. But basically it's just three people and that's the whole cast. Yeah. Yeah. And, and something... well, there's also, there's also a voiceover by uh, Brett Gelman, who is an actor who everybody knows. He was in Fleabag, Mr. Mercedes, oh. uh, um, uh, Stranger, I mean, yeah, Stranger Things. He's an actor you know, and he's yeah. the guy who's the, who does the narration throughout the movie. In fact, he was really my only beef with this movie. I'm like, who is he? Why yeah. is he here? And why do we have narration? Right. I didn't really well, understand I- that. I had more beefs in it than you guys, but to, for me to talk about what I didn't like about the movie would be to ruin the movie. So I will <laughs> not say that on this, uh, uh, on this. but um, I had some serious reservations. I didn't like this one as much as you guys did. Did you, uh, can you talk about your reservations in a vague way or do you not like well, the did they I, um, those, those, yeah, I, well, there, uh, I can't really say if I talk about why I don't like it, then I would give it away. So I can't. But I didn't. Uh, I, it just has to be one character I kind of like in a movie. Yeah, yeah, I know. What you I'm mean. O for O for three in this one. I didn't yeah. like any of these guys. There's like uh, for uh, for particular reasons. I, oh, I don't like him at all because he's an asshole. Right. I don't like him because he's just a kind of a dink. Right. And I don't like her because she feels kind of entitled. And I just it sort of they bothered me. I said, who do I like in this movie? And it's. So, I felt that way a little bit too, and I kind of just went with it. You know, I don't like any yeah. of these people, and they're not people that I would want to be friends with. You know what I mean? It's like one of those movies. Yeah, I, I, sure, sure. But I think I can get past that 
if I buy some of the twists and turns and some of the plot things. And I had some some reservations. Let's yeah. put it that way. I guess but my, I my... can't say. I can't say why. Otherwise, <laughs> right. I'd ruin the movie. Right. Well, yeah. I think um, I, I think the allegiance. The thing I liked about it was I feel like your allegiances shifted as the film went on. Like you started hating this person that right. didn't. Like they brought in some vulnerability. Each character had a moment of vulnerability that made them more human. It didn't actually make you like them. And I still was in the point of like, I can't wait to see all these people get their comeuppance. In yeah. general. <laughs> so in that regard, I feel like that's sort of to be what the movie was about is the human fallibility, the, the way, you know, you don't know the people you think, you know, and that, you know, like we went into it. Here's the jock. He's the entitled rich boy. Here's this poor friend who feels, you know, like insecure and inferior because he doesn't have all the money. Here's the girl who likes the rich kid, of course, even though the young, you know, the poor guy has a crush on her and that kind of dynamic, you go, okay, I get this. But then the yeah. whole thing starts spinning and you don't know really, you know, nothing stays the same. Everyone starts to change. You know, mm -hmm. I liked that about it, but yes, you're right. Nobody, you weren't really brooding for anybody. And we do, yeah. have to, we do have to mention the fact that it's not just people on a boat. There's actually situations that get, that go, you know, crazy you know they get stuck they can't move they're, yeah they're trapped on they're the trapped and there's a this whole survival thing comes into it and there's um i mean they, they don't trust each other right and things go downhill as far as they're getting hungry and trying to figure out how to survive and all this kind of stuff so it does have that aspect to it if you if you like those kind of lifeboat movies where there's people <laughs> Trying to see, uh, I, I love contained thrillers, it's yeah. my favorite thing. So, I was really ready to love this. And I'm like, I'm going halfway through, and go, why am I not loving this movie? Hmm. Why am I not into it? You know, yeah. maybe I was going in with high, super high expectations, yeah. And I just go, yeah, the narration always, narration always bugs the, the shit. narration was weird, yeah. I'm going, why is this? Who is this guy? Is he yeah, just, also this, a character, um, it's not even in the movie, yeah. Did they, did they yeah. explain who that was supposed to be? No, he's planet? just kind of this omniscient, he's yeah. like, he's like Neptune. With his right. Titan off in the, off in the corner. Yeah. I thought, is this like a detective later who figured out this crime scene? I don't know. Yeah. But yeah. anyway, so, okay. but overall, a fun light, you know, lots of fun twists, unexpected stuff, you know, kind of, you know, some strong acting, you know, still, I see why it's on the list. And it's yeah. obscure. I'd never heard of it. You know, I love seeing it. Wow, I've never heard of this. How did I miss this? I love it's, a, it's also, it's a, it's a Canadian film. So a lot mm. of times Canadian films sort of just get lost in the shuffle or do they just get dumped on. It's right. No distributors, but that's, it's, it's, it's made up there. Anyway. And the, 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 the DP six. Sorry, it has a 96% on Rotten Tomatoes, which is the same as A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night, which is sort of criminal, really. Uh, it's not even close. Uh, it's as good as A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. Yeah, it's, I get, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so. But the um, DP's name is Charles Hamilton, just so I can say it, because I think the, okay. the yeah, DP did a really credit. good job. And uh, it is a low-budget film that was made by people who are skilled at making making films you know the dp did a great job there's cool kind of music in it that that i've noticed as being kind of cool a couple times during the film and it's it it does go through a progression from you know you like this person now you're wary of that person now you're suspicious of this person and and there are little twists but i kind of understand what you mean mark as far as like not quite not quite 100 percent, you know well, it's. I'll just say the good things about it. It is well shot. It looks great. There's a, technically, it's. It, it seems like a much bigger budget movie than it probably was. Yeah, it does. So competent in many ways, and the acting is really good. Yeah. I just had some reservations about certain plot twists, okay. which we'll, we'll talk about off air. We'll go. Yeah. 
We'll do, we'll stop the tape and like, what is it, Mark? What is it? What was it? We'll find out later. <laughs> we'll keep it a secret until people seen it. Then we'll talk about it later. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Okay. So, the, the, the next one is uh, from 2009, an Australian film called Lake Mungo. And uh, it also gets high ratings, 94% on Rotten Tomatoes. And it's made by Joel Anderson. And I'll, I'll just read a little bit what uh, Flanagan um, wrote. Uh, I've been recommending Joel Anderson's unforgettable film to people for years and used to actually stockpile copies of it to give away. This wonderful ghost story presents itself as a documentary of a family's haunting, complete with talking head interviews, but reveals itself to be something else entirely. There's a tragic secret at the heart of Lake Mungo, and for all the chills, and believe me, there are many, I wasn't ready for just how impactful the tragedy would be. I've been waiting since 2008 for the next Joel Anderson film. And that's the only film he's ever made. Mm, that's interesting. I don't get that. What happens? Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking, well, you know, it's Australian. Maybe he's working on Australian television and making oh, uh, making see. a living, making you know TV shows. But this is his only film. Hmm. Well, it's a it is a fake documentary, and it's a um, it's a it's a spooky kind of a story. It's a ghost story. Starts off with a mysterious disappearance of a young girl at the at the title lake and in Australia. And it's, I love movies in Australia. I don't know. There's something about when you set a film in Australia, it automatically has Australianess about it that <laughs> yeah, I, I like. Love Australian films too. Me too. Me too. Is the best. What's when that? I see it's a horror film in Australia. I'm like, I'm watching it. Yeah. <laughs> well, this There's, one also, it's like filmed, like the town that it's set in is a town called Ararat. Yeah. Go, is that really a town in Australia? Because I think of Mount Ararat from the Bible, yeah. you know. <laughs> but there is actually a town. That's a real place. Yeah. You know, like outside of Melbourne or something. Um, but I thought it was, I love these kind of movies and I'm a sucker for them. I think this one is extremely well made. Uh, made. It's creepy. It's, uh, I was really involved uh, with the family and what was happening to them. I thought it was, you know, it had some heart and emotion to it. And I love when you have any kind of movie where they focus on photos or videos or like, you know, something's captured. That I'm, I'm, a, I'm a sucker for that shit. Total sucker yeah, for me it. Too. I love and it. Uh, so for that reason, I thought it was really good. I like the um, the the acting. I thought was really good, and it's. I think it's really difficult to to do that because they're you know they're supposed to be real people. They're not supposed to be actors, and they're not supposed to be acting. They're not supposed to be having these experiences. They're talking about it, something that happened to them in the past. And there's a the actors. I think really got that that vibe of people who have been through a tragedy who are recounting something that they experienced that hurt them and you know haunts them and that's hard to do without looking like an actor you know what i mean like without being sort of self-conscious or self-aware of of playing someone who's doing that because there is a difference when you see real people in a real documentary and then you see an actor trying to play a real person in a documentary it still looks like an actor acting. Yeah. But these, here it these, doesn't. These people did no. a really good job of they being. They seemed real. Yeah. I actually thought like the radio, the radio psychic guy. Yeah. Said, Is this guy like really a radio psychic? Right. It's, like, they I really, seemed like they got real people. Yeah. I was like, I wonder if this guy is like really this guy. You know, and the mom must, and dad, you know, it, the mom yeah. and dad and the son, you know, they were just. Re- and. They looked like they weren't. I mean, the son even had these sort of chapped lips, you know, that would have, if if it was an actor, they would, you know, hair and makeup would have fixed. Let me fix those lips for you, you know. But yeah. he, he didn't look. They didn't look made up, or they didn't look like they cared about being made up or anything. They yeah. were just real people. 
So you do have that. You do have a sense when you're watching this of you know moments where you're like, is this real? Is this a real documentary? Which is really cool when that happens. And the footage, the way the footage is shot, the video footage. The film is made in 2009, which is before um, everyone was filming everything all the time. So you do get a, you know, you, there's a cool, a cool layer of visual coolness to it in the fact that you're looking at videotape instead yeah. of, you or know, very digi- low res. Right. You know, because there's an the indicator they were using a phone to film something, but it looks super shitty. The phone <laughs> stuff is real low res, like an yeah. old flip phone video. But then the, the camera that the boy had, that's the, the, this, the son, is videotaping things in the house with a videotape camera, a camcorder. Yeah. Which yeah. is really cool to see because you're you're like oh I remember those <laughs> yeah and remember how that's exactly how it looked and yeah. I also thought the the uh, the news footage that they showed yes was uh, really totally bought that too was yes. like, that was re- because you, a lot of times you can say oh that is such bullshit like, you know bigger budget that's that's so that's so fake but this one looked like that looked like legitimate local news uh, reporting and again so. when you have an actor playing a newscaster it's yeah. always an actor playing a newscaster you can totally yeah. tell but yeah. these yeah. looked like real newscaster local newscasters i love found footage it's just my thing i'm always looking for the good found footage film that makes you feel like you're seeing something deeper and real even though you know it's fake you feel yeah. like they're onto something you know like they figured something out and this movie made me feel like that because it starts off, you know, because it, it, like you said, feels very authentic, and it, it kind of seems very modern now with the sort of crime things. You know, right. They have all these crime documentaries, and you feel like when it starts, you're sort of watching a crime documentary because yeah. it's about a missing girl, and then they're talking to the parents, and they, they basically center on the missing girl, and then it kind of goes into the aspects of where, you know, they think they might see her in a photo, even though they know she's dead, and, you know, there's that that whole thing where you really get pulled into that. And I just love how that was treated. It was so beautifully done. And like you said, they, people seem real. Yeah. And then what I also loved about it is that they take you where you think it's going to go. Like you're like, okay, I know where this is going, where they show the photos. Oh, there's a person in the woods looking and it's a girl. And you know, it's cre- in the background, you know, and you're all, okay, it's going to be about, you know, this ghost they're going to find, but it completely turns itself inside out as it goes along. The story gets deeper and more weird. Yeah. Everything you think you know or that you're expecting is not what you're getting. Like it's it's so well done, and I'm like I'm surprised because I see a lot of these that no one's really done it this well since. Mm. Really, I can't think of a better found footage film. Really. Oh yeah. wow! And and watch the um and watch the end credits too because there's yeah. some yes. cool there's some cool stuff in there. Yeah. So I uh, I really loved it. I think it's a great. I hope this guy yes, is is making shows or doing something because. Yeah. Uh, He's Get him on the show. Let's find him. Yeah. yeah. Okay. What's up? <laughs> I'm, I'm going to try. I'll look on Twitter and send a random text. I mean, uh, you know, so tweet. one we all like. The only, the only problem I had with it was I thought that it focused a little bit too much on, on photographs. It was, like, it was like photo after photo after photo and video zoom-ins on photos. I felt like I wanted to see a little bit more of some other kind of manifestation or some, uh, something other than just another image in you know hidden in the background of a of a photograph what, but though? but that like, stuff was done really yeah. well i mean you know any kind of a manifestation of a supernatural presence you yeah, know that, but you know now you see why yeah, <laughs> yeah um, maybe so, so okay. yeah. <laughs> all right and you know it's kind of funny you were talking about how you know, i'll just one quick aside before we get to the next great film um is that uh 
when you were talking about how people didn't seem like they were actors. Yeah. And there was a season of American Horror Story called Roanoke, which started off great because they basically were doing like a parody of true crime uh, mm-hmm. shows where they were shooting like a haunting or whatever where a huge crime took place and they interviewed the real people and then they'd have actors reenacting what was happening at the house at the time. And mm. so that's how a lot of crime shows work is right. yeah. the actors portraying. And in fact, Burke and I had a little bit of that experience with uh, a recent show on discovery <laughs> ID where they had actors portraying us yes. working on the West of a street case, which was surreal anyway. Very surreal. So, but in Roanoke, it was really weird because they had actors portraying the characters in the film, but then the real people were also actors. Right. So you never really knew who you were watching. Uh, like when they were shown the reenactments, it felt like the real events. And then they'd flash back to the real events and it'd be different actors. And you're like, what is happening? Yeah. It was very weird. It, cool. it wasn't wholly successful, but yes, this is done much better than American Horror Story. Okay. <laughs> Lake Mungo. And it's a little bit of a slice of life from 2009, which is kind of cool yeah. too. You know, it goes back a little ways. Yeah. Kathy, give us the next one. Next one is Cargo. Um, it is basically a zombie movie with Martin Freeman. That's the ah, what, sold. Uh, what, <laughs> what Flanagan says about it is, <clears throat> man, does this movie hit me in the heart. Yolanda Rampke, Rampke and Ben Howling have crafted a zombie movie unlike any I've ever seen with a dynamic dynamite hook and an emotional through line that affected me way more than I was expecting. As a parent, this movie seized me by the heart. The final moments are as beautiful and poignant as any I've seen in and out of the genre. I was so impressed that I had to get these filmmakers involved with the haunting of Blind Manor. They direct two episodes. That is high praise. Yeah. Yes. Kevin yes. Mike Flanagan, he liked your movie so much. He fucking hired you to do his sequel to Haunting of the Lost. Yeah, that's yeah. pretty great. Um, well, that's what you're going so, for when you make movies, right? You <laughs> get more work. Exactly. <laughs> uh, is, and so, you know, Martin Freeman. Yeah. That's all I need to know. Yeah. Next movie. Right. No. <laughs> so yeah. good. <laughs> He's great, and uh, by the way, as an aside, see Ghost Stories, which he has a part in, which is a really fun British horror movie. But he's the heart and soul of this movie. And, and it's Australian it, horror, again. Like, Australian it, horror is always good for some reason. It is, but it's a zombie movie, like you said, like you said with heart, and it's, it's because of Martin Freeman. So um, just see it for that, and you're going to be rewarded with some very emotional heft to this movie oh. i see why like flanagan liked it because it was very flanagan-esque where it's about zombies but it's not about zombies it's about people and it, yeah. in a way it was it hit pretty close to home now because it's sort of a lifestyle these people are very isolated because you don't know who's infected who might because it takes i guess like 48 hours if you get injured or infected to turn into a zombie so it's like an illness so i love how they have kits and um and items to live in this new life that people have. So oh. when you, if you get injured, you have to instantly put on this bracelet, set the timer to 48. You have 48 hours of timer on your arm to find out whether you're getting symptoms, how long you have to get to a doctor. And then they have in the kit, they have a little, uh, it was almost like a, 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 a bolt thing. Like you'd lose a slaughterhouse, but it had a sharp edge where you could put it up to your own head and spike yourself in the brain and kill yourself. If you know, you're going to oh, be a zombie. Because oh. there's no escaping it. There's no right. You no can't, cure. I guess they made it sound like you almost could get treatment because they're trying to get to the hospitals. But I don't know if there really is treatment. Um, oh. But the whole like waiting for the symptoms when the symptoms kind of start kicking in, and then there's a self you know realization that you have this illness, or you're going to be one of those, and heartbreaking. Oh. So good. And so you know, 
that idea of here are these people trying to play it safe and they're on like it's really smart on a houseboat they they stayed off land they you know nothing could get to him and then of course it goes awry and you know you have to care for this baby which is <laughs> ten times more oh stress yeah. uh, and then Martin <laughs> Freeman's so he's so good at being vulnerable and strong at the same time it's just so well done yeah yeah loved it I mean uh, I I saw it when it came out a few years ago and it's actually something I'd probably want to see again. Um, but I remember I loved. It. I said, "This is uh, this is one. This is above and beyond most zombie films." Wow. Okay. Yeah. Sold. I'll watch so. it. I, this is one I haven't seen. Another one I haven't. Oh, seen. and another thing I thought was really really um, clever is they bring in the kind of racism, you know, the uh, the fact that white people were still treating the the, um, abor- uh, abor- the aborigines yeah. as like kind of inferior. So yes. uh, once the wild wild west started happening and you know this illness took over and everyone every man for himself people were starting to use these people as like bait or slaves or you know so i love there's the one character in the film that actually puts you know aborigines people inside cages to attract zombies so he can then like you know as bait and then he can take them out and steal from whatever these people have on them or possibly you know whatever he can use you know in this yeah. time he's like for the future when this is over it's like it's not going to be over we looked around it's that, it's, it's I love that. And the little kid the little, yeah, little yes. child who's trying to find their way back to their you know their his people or her is it a girl it's her people it's a girl yeah mm-hmm. um so she's trying to find her way back and it's and they kind of hook up you know martin freeman you know it starts he becomes very uh you know protective so he's trying to help her get back to her family too and it's just such a like almost like a road picture with a little bit of zombie and <laughs> and impending disaster and illness oh my god it's so good wow. yeah it's not it's not heavy zombie and it's very smart as you said about the society it feels like if this was going to happen this this is probably how it would go down in, yeah. rea- in real life you know and so it feels especially yeah. intense to watch it now because it sort of yes. feels teeny bit like yes okay. yes yeah. yeah so definitely in one of the great ones Mm. And this only got 88. I'm sorry, but this is better than Harpoon. Mm. Oh, my God. <laughs> not on. even. Yeah, it's not even close. Uh, okay. Sorry. Okay, uh, Burke, why don't you do the next uh, intro? Well, the next one is called A Dark Song. The next film is A Dark Song from 2017. Um, Liam Gavin's horrific descent through one woman's hell towards the possibility of forgiveness. And he, he really seems to really like this movie. Um, cause he also offered the, uh, filmmaker an opportunity to direct, um, Bly Manor and he directed two episodes apparently. So another, you know, this filmmaker is someone else who got a gig from, uh, Mike Flanagan because of the power of this film, but I, um, have not seen it. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, what I remember from this movie, cause I saw it a few, few years ago, was the performance by the lead actor, oh, uh, so fair. Yeah. Catherine Walker, oh. who I haven't seen. She's a mes- She's a, This is like, Incredible. yeah, it's really like if it wasn't a horror film, she'd be considered, I would say, like for awards. I mean, it was that good. Mm. Yeah. Um, but it's a, it's a very small movie, right? There's just a couple of actors in it, if I remember Yeah, it's correctly. basically another one of those isolation, like they... You know, they is this her and this uh, one other guy, right? Psychic like, or yeah, uh, bearded psychic guy. He was gonna. <laughs> <laughs> right. So enough. basically, he's he sort of uh, knows magic or something. Like he can he can summon spirits and maybe cast spells he's, and things. 
she wants to she wants to communicate with her child that her son that died yes so she's desperate so she wants this guy to do it and he said he could do it but they have to do this very extreme isolation and lifestyle all alone they have to go through this sort of exercise to get to the point where they can actually make this happen wow. right and it, it and instantly you're like eh, sounds shady and it is <laughs> yeah that's the movie it's like you know this yeah. put in this situation and to tell more would be to spoil some things yeah. but i remember it was just i remember her performance was like wow and they have a scene that shouldn't work it's at the end shouldn't work but for some reason i thought it was just spectacular some people could see this one scene and kind of go what the fuck and laugh which you sort of want to at first but then you're <laughs> like this is fucking ballsy and i love it in a huh. weird way. <laughs> it's very strange That's what was cool. the scene i can't remember what the scene was we'll talk about well, we shouldn't. Yes, okay. We shouldn't spoil. No, I know. You talk about harpoons, probably. Yeah. Talk about <laughs> okay. 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 Good. All right. So the yeah, next another strong film that everyone should watch. That's uh, another one. It sounds like a, interesting. I should watch. Well, one thing I liked about it too, yeah, you because know, I feel like we're not really giving it. We're, we're you know, a lot of us. I haven't seen this super recently, but I, but it's stuck in my head. It's like one of those films that you're like, I got to remember that this is one of those films to recommend when people are looking for obscure heart. Mm. <clears throat> but I, I liked that. You weren't sure who to trust, oh. and you and she wasn't very sympathetic because she wouldn't listen to people who were saying, you know, don't right. do this; it costs too much, and he's too weird. And, uh, and the fact she stuck with this guy who's sort of abusive, but she's sort of putting up with it because she's desperate and wants this to work. And the abusive, he says, the abuse is sort of part of the process, uh. so she wants to believe that. That's so, like, so important on so many levels that this film has all these different. It has that sort of who to trust, who not to trust. Do you really put up with abuse for a means to an end or not? Like how, what? Yeah. So it's really, really pretty, uh, pretty intense. And, and that monkey's paw idea is so rich and full of idea. You know, you can, you can mm -hmm. do that so many different ways. And it sounds like, you know, one of those things where, you know, I, I haven't seen this movie, but I imagine it's probably be careful what you wish for film. It's funny too. I, um, I guess it was shot in Dublin. So no, it's another it's like I like nice, this. It's yeah. another foreign, technically foreign film, European film. So it has that whole. I love seeing films like that because you're you feel like you're seeing something just a little different. Yeah, yes, the, yeah. the landscape seems different. The culture is a teeny bit different. You know the the how everything about it just feels so. Unique. It puts you. It, it puts you. It's like a, you're already a little bit off because you're not in the uncomfortable world. Like okay, I'm already a bit a bit of a tourist in this world, and then take me from there. So yeah, that's a great film. Yeah, it's funny. And a know, great performance. It has that weird ending I was talking about some people. And uh, I was looking at a review in the New York Times, and it says, the unexpectedly moving final moments. And that's what I'm talking about. The unexpected moment <laughs> where you're like going, it went off the rails in a really cool way. It may not work for some people. Okay. Cool. Well, the, the next one is a, a film that we've talked about at length on here. So maybe we should just zoom past this one because this is going to be a really long episode. <laughs> No, yeah, but the, go ahead and talk about the, it briefly, though. I don't we want to can pass anybody. Yeah, we can mention it because we really yeah. like this movie. It's called The Endless, and it was it's a 2018 film by Aaron Moorhead and Justin Benson, and it's a uh, um, it's a companion uh, film to the other the other film they made called Resolution, which you really should watch both of them. But this one, The Endless, is a is one of those mind bender movies, kind of disorienting. When which I really love when a filmmaker can do that. When you can make a film that I fin when I finish watching it, I feel like I've had my my genetics have been altered a bit. You know, <laughs> like you come yeah. out of the theater, or you yeah. 
you know, you turn the lights back on in your house and you feel like you're in a new place, you know? <laughs> yeah, that was a very grounded kind of, you know, very indie, almost emo kind of, you know, films that feels almost, almost documentary in its low budgetness and attitude. Yeah. And then, you know, it, it, then it shocks you with its sort of huge grand idea that you don't expect from a little film like that, that their stuff's great. And, Flanagan says, I love this movie and all of their work. And I have to agree. I pretty much love everything these guys have done. Yeah. yeah. They're good. And, and they're also, they act in this one, you know, yeah. uh, yes. both of them. And their their relationship is another reason why probably Flanagan picked it. Because there's a, yeah. at the core, there's a good relationship in that movie, which dovetails to the next film. Mm-hmm. Um, they look like people, which also works because it's got a great relationship. The two main char- the characters, yeah. these, these best friends. Um, it's a film that was directed by, written, directed, and produced by Perry Blackshear back in 2015. And talk about zero budget. I think this movie was probably <laughs> made for, you know, under 20 grand or some crazy low amount. And it's, but it's, I thought it was great. I was just blown away by what you can do on a small budget because, again, the char- you care about the characters. And it's about this descent into uh, this person who, who thinks that the world is being taken over by demons or zombies or something. Mm. So it's in this guy's mind and you're not sure what's really happening in the film. Yeah. The classic, you know, unreliable narrator. You're, yes. you're seeing it from his point of view. You think it's true, but then there's, there's things that start kind of pointing to the fact, maybe it's not really happening. Right. And the people around him seem worried about him. So you kind of yeah. wonder, yeah, I loved that. Off. And you, know, you just need a good idea. And you don't this, need a big budget. You just need an idea. This yeah. is a good good idea. The acting is like basically three main actors. They're all quite good in this. It's basically shot in an apartment and a couple of street shots. There's not a lot to it. The basement is suitably creepy. There's a lot, a lot of stuff that goes down there. And it's just really like a 79-minute movie that completely works. And you go, this is the kind of movie you go, I could make a movie like this. You know, yep. but why can't I? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So do it. Get in there, right? You have to come I up like it too because it's a, it's kind of a slow burn. But very they have slow, a, very yeah, slow. But yeah. it's because it's small, but it's more about just enjoying the small moments. But they have an ending that, you know, it's just you almost don't want to see what's going to happen. And they just it's such a great ending for something. You're like, how are they ever going to end this? And they really pull it off. Yeah. You know, sometimes there's an ending. You're like, okay, this made the film. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a, a slow burn, low budget, but if you want to see a movie and, and say, how do you do a movie for, for not a lot of money, but make it successful and, and, and make it a calling card, check this movie out. Yeah. yeah. I don't even, we don't even want to describe it too much because you just need to see it. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds yeah. interesting. I mean, it sounds really interesting. Yeah. I love movies where you, you, you know, the, the, the idea of losing your mind is one of the most hor- horrible things. Yeah. You know, you talk about things that people are afraid of. Mark's got spiders and, you know, <laughs> and, uh, but one of the things I think that is a, is sort of a primal fear that everyone has is a fear of, of losing your connection to reality. And I think those kind of movies work really well where are, am I going crazy? Am I, are the people around me, you know, like even back to the invasion of the body snatchers kind of a thing, you know, is this really happening or am I going nuts? You know, I love those stories when they're done well. And yeah. also just how horrifying it would be. Cause and yeah. also you, you feel like there's, so, we, we've been steeped in films about people who seem like they're going crazy and they're the only ones who know the truth. Right. So 
then you feel like, are you one of those people that know the truth? Or are you one of those crazy people that doesn't know what's happening? <laughs> or is that what it's really life. like to lose your mind? Right. Is that really what yeah. it's like to be, to, to go crazy, you know, quote, it, it, it's like, does that, is that what it feels like to actually see these things happening and you're telling someone and they're like, you know, shaking their heads like, yeah. oh, you poor, like, no, it's real. you poor thing. <laughs> Speaking of crazy. <laughs> and uh, the female lead, uh, you know, her name is Mara, and she's very strong in this. Yeah. And I thought quite good. And I, I thought I've seen her before in other uh, – her name is Margaret Blake, but I haven't seen her in anything, I think. But she seems very familiar to me. But she's really good in this. Oh, really yeah. strong. Yeah. So three good acting performances too. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. All right. Now this next one, uh, speaking of my fear of spiders and all things. <laughs> eight, eight going crazy. I uh, this one's called Possum from 2018. It's a British film directed by Matt, written directed by Matthew Holness. And if you, one look at the um, poster, right? Yeah, it's a big old spider. Oh shit! Not watching this. So I, I, I said I'm going to watch. I'm, a, you know, I, I can handle this. And I watched the first 10 minutes. And you really, I think, have to be in the mood for this because I said oh, I don't think I'm in the mood. And then once there's, I saw this scene where this, the, this takes this thing out of a duffel bag and throws it in a. a a, a big barrel, and it's yeah. the, you see the legs. I said, "Ah, I know." I, 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 I was out. That point too. I'm like, I'm not gonna. And then the next day, I'm like, "Okay, I'm gonna watch it." And so, I forced myself to watch it. Should I watch it? Mean, it's gonna be hard for me to watch this one, to be honest with you, well, unless it's really, really fantastic. Well, <laughs> Kathy, you were saying it reminded you of like a Brothers Quay. <clears throat> it reminded me of Brothers Quay movie. Imagine if Brothers Quay got together with a filmmaker and they they collaborated and made a film with actual people in it, but then they had their brother's quay look of everything being kind of gray and old and abandoned looking. And, and, you know, and they have these fantastical creatures that look like they're puppets with little weird human heads. And that's sort of what this is. Ah. Um, it is, uh, it stars Sean Harris, who people, yeah, he's, he's been in a million things, but, uh, he was uh, in Mission Impossible, Rogue Nation. I mean, you probably recognize him from a different bunch of oh, he plays a He always plays a bad guy, or usually does. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, it's funny because you, you know, he's really weird, but you can't even really tell how old this guy is. Like, he either looks young or old. Like, I can't figure him out. <laughs> right. But um, he, you're not sure what is his problem is, <laughs> except that, I mean, basically his symbolism is he, he walks around with this bag. Everybody's got baggage, people. Get it? <laughs> right. So his is especially bad because he has this ugly Brothers Quay uh, spider puppet with a human head. Not at all realistic. Like, this is not a spider. Oh, interesting. Um, but he carries it around, and it scares him, and he doesn't like it. He keeps trying, but what can I do with this bag? And so he's always walking around, and he throws it and buries it, and then always comes back, which mm. is just like baggage yeah <laughs> so, uh, you can't just bury it but it's it. really artful and um it's one of those it's super artsy probably almost too artsy for its own good but um it sets a very it's a very confident tone you know it's very invested in what it's trying to say and what it is but it's so unrelentingly grim with the the father at home who's abusive and him coming home and being just you know, abused all the time and him in his bag with the weird thing in it. <laughs> and then in the background, a, a kid is missing and you're, then you're sort of occurring to you like, does he have something to do with this missing kid? Is the spider a kid? I don't know. So it, but it's shot in a really cool way and the locations are incredible. I feel like they went around, just found any abandoned place or gross old industrial park that's no longer being used or old houses. It feels like it's all shot like that. Is it maybe like Eraserhead? Very much like Eraserhead. Oh, okay. 
bunny color. Interesting. <laughs> so yeah, so there's that. So you have to be in the mood, but you know, I I don't. I mean, it's on this list for a reason. It also got a ninety percent um, for the type of movie that it is, mm. and it's well acted. So it has some cool stuff in it. Interesting. I, I think if it was uh, you know the, a human head on a scorpion body, I'd watch it in the They're just spider life, Mark, and I'm not even real. <laughs> you don't understand the nightmares See, I have. when I first started watching it, I was feeling sorry for the spider because he's being really mean to it. And then I realized it wasn't a spider. It's a stupid puppet. It's not even real, and it's not even supposed to be real. And it keeps coming back, and nothing can hurt it. So there you go. Gotcha, Funny how different okay. people have different things. It's like my yeah. wife is my wife is freaked out by centipedes, like all their little legs. Oh, yeah. She's like, oh, I can't even look at that. Those are creepy. And the funny thing is, um, in Thailand, where she's from, they have centipedes that are as big as a house. They're just gigantic. Yes. They're not maybe not quite as big as a house, uh, but a I held one in my or... hand, and it was coiled <laughs> up on my hand. It was the size of a giant jelly donut. It's coiled as big up. as a guest room. Yeah, it's as big <laughs> as a guest room. An old pair apartment. Yeah. Rumpus Room. Okay. Next one I enjoyed a lot more than, than Possum because it's another like fake documentary. I love fake documentaries. I love uh. fake found footage documentary stuff. I love it in TV shows like The Office. I love it in movies like this. So go ahead. You, you do the intro, Kath. It's called Creep and it's Mark creep. Duplass. That's all you need to know. Mark Duplass, Creep, done. And he's yeah. the creep. So that's like perfect. Yeah, it's really good. I, I love it. It's simple. It's a two, you know, it's basically two people, but it's basically him on camera ninety nine percent of the time. Yeah. And there's a sequel to it, and that's equally as good. I think a third one is coming out. Mark oh. Duplass is a really fascinating actor. He can he's, do it. A, he's all over the place. Yeah, yeah, and uh, great filmmaker and all that kind of stuff. So it's really good and really kind of disturbing. Hmm. It's fun too because it's not. It's it's sort of a slow burn, but not because it's almost almost edges on comedy because it's Mark Duplass and you kind of like the guy, but he's kind of off. Yeah. So he basically wants to hire someone to come film him. Right. That's basically the conceit. So this guy goes, he wants to get paid to film this guy. He doesn't know why. Right. Is he kind of make a documentary? He's hiring someone to make a documentary about him. Yeah. He's being paid. He's paying this guy to, to do it. So this is a paid gig right. for this but guy. You don't you really, and even he's kind of like, why are we doing the documentary? Okay. So he's just sort of following him around while he, talks about dumb stuff you know <laughs> like, I mean, but then it starts getting more and more creepy imagine if you were like hired and the, you, you hang out with a guy for a day or two and you realize there's something off about this guy that's wrong that's, in a big way that's the movie sounds yeah, like you really big, good. sounds like every day <laughs> i mean it just starts you know just getting like tight it's like tightening yeah. and tight like a tighter yeah. more tense and then at yeah. the end it has this great ending Fantastic. Yeah. Oh yeah. Gosh. Was that filmed? If ending was that filmed uh, over in Echo Park? It Echo Park like Lake. It. Yeah. It looked okay. like it. Okay. It's funny too. I had I used to, I had a friend where I used to work, and she and I both loved horror movies. And for Christmas one year, I gave her the box at the end of this movie, and only she got it. And so <laughs> ah. everyone saw her open at work. They opened the box, and she was like, "Oh my god!" Like, Why would you give her that? <laughs> like, you don't get it. <laughs> That's great. Just don't get. It. Okay. Interesting. Okay. okay, I'll watch that one. That's another one I have not seen. Like and I was Mar saying, there's a bunch I have not seen. And really, Burke, like I know you don't like to watch the kind of trash market I do, but this is like sort of a 
a trash free zone on this list. So you are pretty okay. much guaranteed Safe with to any like of these? most of the stuff on here. There's okay. good. There's yeah. These are well made. Uh, mm-hmm. and, 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 yeah. There's not a lot of super gore. And, you know, probably harpoon might be the, the goriest one out of them. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. Out of them, I think. You know. Yes, yeah, so they're not gore fest, and they're you know Michael Flanagan type films where it's all about character and mood. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Mm. Okay. So the next one is the taking of Deborah Logan. 2014 uh and this is another found footage film directed by adam robitel and um i remember the performance by jill larson i think this is a canadian film also another one uh, who plays deborah logan was pretty fearless uh now i haven't seen this film for about five or six years but i remember it was pretty intense and pretty darn good and i thought her performance was great yeah what do you what, do you remember did you see it more recently than i did or I saw it a couple of years ago. Yeah. I wanted to watch all of these again, but then it yeah. didn't take a very long time. To do that, right, so. right. But you know, a lot of people love this movie. I just, in general, as a personal preference, I don't really like possession films in general. I think they're just okay. dumb, and I don't really. I just, I just, yeah, I just don't yeah. buy them in general. And but people love this, so I watched it, and I liked it as a a found footage automatically. Mm-hmm. I like it. Um, I thought it took a really long time to get to the scary part. Like I wasn't really, I I felt like she was a little bit annoying. Like I was sort of like, come on already. But Mm -hmm. at the same time, and it's also, it was just kind of sad because it's sort of Alzheimer's and you weren't sure. Yeah, that was, it was sad. Right, Um, right. But yeah, I mean, I liked it, but uh, honestly on this whole list is probably my least favorite film. Gotcha. Even though most people love this movie. Gotcha. Well, I think, I think, I think I liked it more than you because I don't mind possession films. Yeah. But um, I thought it was well made. And and it worthy was. worthy to see, you know. Yeah, like I said, uh, it's just my own personal thing. Just not loving possession films. So, gotcha, but I think gotcha. if you like that kind of genre, you will probably love this. If you love The Conjuring, <laughs> oh God! <laughs> see, You're right, though. I got one. Right I got one of those things. Uh, if you know how Netflix has you recommend, like if you like this, so I got this one. I got since you watched Waco, you'll like Highway to Heaven. <laughs> Oh I my saw, god. What a fail. You know. <laughs> you can you can kinda you can see right through their algorithms when they do exactly. things like that. Because there's exactly. like you know, it's like uh, it's about you know yeah, it's about religion, so okay, you know. You're like Anyways. if you like the exorcist, you'll like this documentary about Ronald Reagan. <laughs> yeah, so anyway, that cra- that cracked me up. So that's really funny. Okay, so next the Invitation, which... Burke can do this one because he saw this one. I saw this one, and I like this one. and I We love this one so much this we is, made a whole episode about it. We've done an episode about this, but we can we can speak of it again. It's a... um. It was... I think we called the episode Dinner Party Downloads Gone Bad or something like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because it's a, it's what we were calling a dinner party horror film or dinner party thriller. Because it's, it's a isolation horror, basically takes place in one... Location with a group of people who about whom various unsettling things are revealed as the film goes on, and it's a it's really nicely crafted. It's it's like you know you think you think it would be easy to get a bunch of people together in a, in a house and turn a camera on and have them go through a script, right? You know, write a script that has a bunch of people, but that's that is hard to to make yeah. it really work like this, where you follow these people, they go through changes and processes with their characters they they go from being someone you think you understand to having a twist you know there's a twist about this person and it's a it's so nicely done and it's a, and you can you can tell it's a low budget film and yet 
it's got everything it needs. And Karen Kusama is a, a director. I always watch her movies. I mm. think she's. I think uh, she's just hitting her stride. She did Destroyer, which was with Nicole Kidman, which a lot of people didn't like, but I thought it was really good. Um, and but I think Invitation is almost a perfect film as far yeah. as a dinner party. Like you're caught in this place, you don't want to be here with these people. There's awkwardness because one of them's your exes and right. their new partner, and it's just weird. And you, your marriage fell apart because you know of a tragedy, yeah. and it's just yeah. And then you start getting this line from like the the hosts. Oh wait a minute, this is almost like some sort of. They're trying to sell me on something, right. you know, and you're like, oh, you're I got to get there. Like, like you're coming to like yeah, a, a Tupperware got, party. Right, something. right. It's one of those pampered chef or something, you know, Amway. But <laughs> yeah, then like, Amway, they just, yeah. Yeah, yeah, they Amway. just, you want to go, you want to leave, and, but you yeah. just can't. And then yeah. somebody tries to leave and that doesn't go well. So it's just, it's that, it's that if you get that sense, this movie is, hits that on the head. Holy cow. Yeah. Flanagan-esque of like all about relationships and trust and lack of trust and betrayal. It's all there. And Logan Marshall Green, who's like the host and he's like the main guy who was in that movie uh, Upload. He's not the host. He's the guest. Oh, he's the guest. Sorry. Okay. That's right. Um, And he's quite good in it as are everybody else. So it's, it's a really good one. If you haven't seen one, that is, I would put that really high on the list. Yeah, that and, should almost be number one, I think. And yeah. give it some time. You know, when you start watching it, don't don't think, oh, this is going to be boring. It it's like give it a little bit. Of, it, it when I first start, I remember when I first started watching it, I was like, you know, this is a bunch <laughs> of young cool people having a dinner party. But then you're like, oh, okay, I see what's happening here, and it's really cool. And then John Carroll Lynch, who who is a great character actor, yeah. he's like the big guy, the balding guy, yeah. who was sort of like in Zodiac. It was David Fincher's Zodiac. He was like he yeah. might be the Zodiac. He's always he's menacing as hell in this movie. Yeah, yeah. But he doesn't he doesn't raise his voice. He has right. a smile on his face, but he's scary. You know. My only gripe, um, and this is all shot in L.A., which I loved because yeah, you know, it's definitely you get that vibe from it a little bit. Is like they do this completely unnecessary killing of a coyote at the very beginning of the film. And I did not understand oh, why yeah. that was in it. Yeah. I did not need to be in it. Um, they basically hit a coyote and he has to kill it. Uh, horrible. So I almost didn't get past it. So I was able to get past that. It's almost yeah, like, so great. But it seemed like, why would you do that? You turn people off at the first five minutes of the film. So, yeah, so what, it would be interesting to ask the, the screenwriter, the filmmaker, why that scene is in there. What, what's the purpose of that scene? It has to Probably. be in there for a reason. I mean, I, they're I not going to put it has to do with he's willing to put something out of his misery. I don't know. It was I, I think I, I've noticed that in a lot of horror movies, there's a animal death kind of early in the film. There's like a killing of an animal. And I think it's an it's an unsettling image. It's something that everybody has problems with. And I think a lot of filmmakers use that to sort of set the tone. Like it's a it's a thing that a lot of people have had had these experiences where they've accidentally hit an animal or accidentally, you know, they see a bird fly into their window and they feel oh, you know, you've just it gives you an un, it gives you an unsettled feeling. And I think some filmmakers kind of it's almost like a cheap trick in a way <laughs> it's really cheap and don't do it anymore yeah it's not, there's better <laughs> ways well, this, to... this one's this one seemed very sort of out of left field like in some other ones like a like pet cemetery you kind of get it i mean well yeah reason, that's the yeah you know, yeah I mean, that's the that's the plot of the story but yeah. this was like out of just they, they could have just started for them just pulling up to the uh, house boom you know you don't, don't need feel that. like that informed us on his character really no to show nothing. that so no. i yeah so it I wasn't foreshadowing or anything like that. It's... <laughs> well, they didn't. They, there's no, no animals no. in the rest of the movie. To, and to... they don't do it to people. 
So I don't yeah. know. So anyway. Yeah. But okay. that's my only gripe. Otherwise, it really is a perfect film outside of that opening. Yeah, context. okay. And an animal okay. violence so, warning. Yeah. So, so, so stay, stick with it, you know. Okay. Yeah. The next film uh, is called Freaks, and it's not the Todd Browning Freaks from 1932. <laughs> Unfortunate uh, this title, really, because that's instantly – it's hard to find this film because of that. Right. Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, it's from last year. It's a movie that I just knew nothing about. I've never heard of it until you told me about it. Yeah. I saw this and, list. Right, and then that, I saw this just randomly. I, I watched it on Netflix. Then I saw that Flanagan had his list, so it was like, oh, okay. Um, but it's it kind of it's this is more of a sci-fi film, you know. And it reminded me of that NBC show Heroes, kind of, or even almost almost yeah. like a Marvel film. Very much. Wow. Origin story. Origin story, very contained. To give away the plot would be, you know, something we don't want to do here. But it's but the budget is low, but boy, the, the effects are great. It totally looks wonderful, wow. and the act the acting Emil Hirsch, Bruce Dern is in it. The kid, there's a seven year old girl who played who's the main character, and she's amazing. She's so mature and so good. Like I usually I try to avoid movies with little kids actors in it because they're usually <laughs> awful. So I was like, ugh, this has a kid in it. No thanks. And then this was on the list. We had to watch it. I watched it. She was great. Like she wasn't that sort of cutesy kid. She was actually a really good actress. She seemed very like wise beyond her years. Yes, you know? yeah. Her so, name is Le- Lexi Colker. She was Lexi fantastic. Kolker. Yeah, yeah. And Amanda Crew, who's another actress. So it's a really good cast. Uh, the story is really interesting. It's a it's a whole different kind of world you're entering. You're fo- it's basically from the uh, you're seeing it through the eyes of the seven year old. So you're you're getting the information as she's getting it. So you don't really know what this world is. Yeah, you're kind of in the dark. You're She's in being the kept in this house. You don't yes. know why. Right, yeah. by her father. So it's a little like, what is this all about? Yeah, and you can't look out the windows, and we can't trust anybody out there because they'll kill you. So and then the world kind of, you know, it, 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 it opens up, and you see what's really happening. Yeah, when I first started watching, I'm like, I don't know if I want to watch this. But it looks like the guy had abducted the kid and was like being creepy, holding her prisoner. It was just, just unpleasant, but it's way more than that. It's not that. <laughs> so get past that. But I yeah. love how Flanagan says this film probably had less than its entire budget than a typical Marvel Marvel movie spends on snacks. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. it is like one of those isolation horrors where you're pretty much in the house ninety percent of the time, but when you're not, holy shit, it's well, I, crazy yeah. out there. I haven't seen this one, but is it a bit like um, Cloverfield Lane? You know, um, well, you know, a li- I, I think. Yeah. Well, you guys are both making faces like, no, no. (laughs) No. (laughs) I don't think it's as – Clover seemed darker to me than this one. This this one's a little bit lighter. It's a little bit – like Bruce Stern's funny in it. Like he actually made me laugh a lot to me. Oh. And he plays an ice cream vendor, like he has an ice cream truck. Yeah, you know, being okay. like, who is this? ice cream truck? <laughs> yeah. No, he doesn't yeah. suspicious at all. <laughs> He's always outside of the house, you know. Yeah, Bruce Dern's not a weirdo. Uh uh-uh. uh <laughs> Where'd you get that Lane. idea? <laughs> Imagine Cloverfield Lane was an origin story for Marvel. That's what this would feel like. Okay. Yeah. It's a little yeah. lighter in uh, tone. It's got yeah. a lot more open. You know, air feel to it. It's not this closed-in, grimy, gross thing the whole time. It's yeah, right. it's a l- little more fantasy to it than. Yeah, it sounds interesting. I love sci-fi, yeah. so this is. I'm going to put this on the list too. I have a big, yeah. long list of movies I have to watch now. <laughs> it's right here on Mike Flanagan's list. Yeah, <laughs> just, look, yeah. just look it up. And we have one more. The last one. Here's the last, last one. But not go, go least. Ahead. Go ahead, Kathy. Our yeah. last one is Oz Perkins, the Black Coat's daughter. 
Um, I kept seeing this pop up. I watched this uh, like a year ago. It kept popping up as a film to watch, and I'd look at it and go, oh, it's about a girl's school. Sounds boring. I don't want to watch it. Eh. Or so Suspiria, I, sort of, I thought. When I read it, it was yeah, like, is Suspiria, this Suspiria? Yeah. But it um, it stars, what's the girl's name for Mad Men? Um, oh, K- uh, K- Kiernan Sherpa? Yeah. Sherpa? Yeah, I don't know how to say her yeah. name, but she's in it, and she's great. Uh, so it starts off what you think is going to be just, you know, uh, the boarding school with the girls, the boarding school idea of, you know, things going bad in a boarding school, but it gets so, so crazy, so weird. And the ending is so over the top and crazy. And yeah. I was like, this is the best movie I've ever seen. So, <laughs> wow. so weird at the end that I'm like, okay, you won me over because it was just such a great ending for this crazy film. Well, it's a little, you know, you, you it plays with time too, chronology, which yeah. is interesting, and I thought that was really smart. The acting, not only by Kiernan Shipka—that's her name, sorry. Yeah. Uh, Emma Roberts is also in it, yeah. and uh, Lucy Boynton, who plays Rose, who's like a really sympathetic character. I thought, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, Lauren Holly and James Remar play the, the husband and wife who pick up Emma Roberts's character, and they're very—that's a very very real. So yeah. I just the, to, it's re, it starts really slow. Like the first half hour, I'm like, man, this is just I know, I'm like, crawling. You know, like yeah. I actually stopped it two or three times. But then I saw the list. I said, okay, I'm going to stick with it. And boy, does it just once you sort of get what's happening? Yeah. Also, it, like, oh, the, it clicks into gear, and then it gets really intense. I love where he so. says, and this pretty much sums up what we said. Um, what appears at first to be a story about girls encountering a supernatural force when left behind at their boarding school is revealed to be something even deeper by the end, which is nuts. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, but it's that whole abandoned boarding school. I sort of love that idea, but I was with her, like, first of all, her, her character, the main character, not sympathetic at all. You do not like her. Oh, she you seems, mean Rose. Yeah. yeah, yeah she yeah, is yeah. awful. And yeah. then as you go along, you start realizing why. You start really yes. seeing all these weird – yeah, it's it's pretty great. It's pretty great. It, it is really – yeah, the setting is great. And Oz Perkins, I like every one of his films. I only, I've only i seen the other one, um, The Little Girl Who Lives in the House or something. Yeah. Um, the Pretty Little Thing in the House. <laughs> you always get that title. <laughs> yeah, yeah, whatever. whatever. It's, it's, it's a weird title, but it's also the same – The Little Girl in the House. <laughs> something like that no, it's, like, uh, it's called I am the pretty thing that lives in the house that's it yeah I am the pretty thing that lives in the house that was a cool film that's a cool and he's very he's all about deliberate pacing and mood and setting and you know a um, a girl a, yeah a girl's boarding house school like in the winter time somewhere up north is a great setting for him love it yeah and it's um, it's just very odd and very good. And I think he's a really good filmmaker. I want to see his Hansel and Gretel that kind of came, came and went in theater. Gretel and Hansel. Yeah, Sorry. Gretel and Hansel. Yeah. <laughs> it's backwards. That's so confusing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's also Anthony Perkins' son. And so that right. makes it, you know, he's got it in his blood. He's right. royalty. Yeah. Uh, but definitely worth watching because it's very unexpected and cool. And stick with it because I know yeah. you'll say you'll about twenty four minutes you're going to go ah screw this you know this yeah, is just go but through it wait hang out a little longer yeah well if you this ever saw there. Psycho two the Psycho you know the the movie Psycho the Alfred Hitchcock movie had sequels a lot of people don't realize that <laughs> but there were sequels that weren't awful some of them. This- the second them? one I really like. It's yeah. a, Richard Franklin was the director who is Australian, and he made a really good movie, this, but, the second one. But Oz Perkins played young Norman Bates in that film. Oh, wow. Yeah. No kidding. Interesting. Played his dad. 
But um, it's good. But I would check out all his movies because he's he's talented and he's yeah. he's got something going on. I think. Yeah. So if you had to pick one movie off this list to tell people oh, to watch, what would it be? Okay, let me look at the list real quick. A uh, harpoon? No, I wouldn't be harpoon. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, well, God, there's so many I like. They're all great, yeah. but if you just had to pick one, I, I would have to go with a girl walks home walks home alone at night. I was gonna say the same thing. Oh. Yeah, I think it's actually a, a classic film. These other ones are great and, and really good and really really good. Yeah. That one is like one that I think like is would be considered like a classic uh, of the genre. Nice. It's unique. Just yeah, it's just a different film. And it's not a trial to watch. Like when you hear Iranian vampire film with subtitles, you're like, oh fucking a, I'm not watching this. But it turns <laughs> out it's really commercial, very very entertaining in a very modern way it's not slow it's like got a really cool very deliberate sort of mood to it i, I agree with that even though yeah. there's ones that we've covered like the invitation to endless which i put really high on the list yeah, yeah. um i think be, just for the sheer unexpected brilliance of that film i would recommend that yeah and as we here at cinemondo tell you quite often films that are black and white with subtitles from other countries <laughs> Are often very, very worth the effort. Very. Which, after yeah. a couple of minutes, trust me on this. If you're, if you're not, if you're the kind of person that's like, eh, black and white, I have to read. Do it anyway, because it's good for you. And I, I guarantee, like in a few minutes, you'll forget that you're reading subtitles, and you'll forget that there's no color. And you'll My forget that test, you're I... in watching something that happened in another country. <laughs> That's right. well, and also, like, if you if, this could be the gateway film for you. Watch yes. this one yeah. first. Yeah. And then you go, hey, you know, I really like that. Then you can start going back to some of the older films or foreign films like the Fellini films or some of the films uh, Burke has mentioned yeah. on this podcast and realize, oh, yeah, they really are entertaining and good. And st- exactly. Yeah, I love that one. Yeah. Um, so, yeah I, I'm going to try my litmus test will be if I can get Chad to watch it and not be bored. And be into it, then that will be my litmus test that this is indeed a brilliant film. <laughs> did, he, did, did he watch it or he, has he hasn't watched, watched it. it? I'm going to watch okay. it. I'm going to make him watch it. Okay. okay. And cool. we'll see what he thinks. Because, you know, we, everybody works so hard. This is this goes for everyone out there, you know, especially during this binging time. Everyone's working hard. Everyone's tired. Yeah. But it's like you want to. You want to sit down. You just want to relax. You don't want to think too much. You don't want to be too much of a downer. Right. Like, right. So. This film seems like it would go into that slot where it'd be a downer, it'd be too much work. I don't want to watch something that's so complicated, but then you watch it and it's not. So I'm going to see what happens. Okay. I'll fill you in next yeah. time. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. I mean, these movies, and, you know, intersperse these movies that we see. We, we throw a comedy in there, something else, because I've done that, because. Yeah. It's like, oh, I have to watch something light and frothy and fun. And, right. and and one I'll just recommend this because I watched it a few days ago. It's on Amazon Prime, Never Surrender. It's a documentary based on the fans of the film Galaxy Quest. Oh, and yeah. it's very sweet and touching. And uh, I actually teared up at the end, believe it or not. I love Galaxy <laughs> Quest. I, keep, I watch it all the time. I watch it every, it's a, at least like once a year. I have to it's a really, really good, it. smart movie. And yeah. this documentary is all about the making of the movie okay, and the I'll fans. So it's yeah. really fun. Cool. And when did that come out? Is it new? or It's brand new. Like it yeah. just it just came out on Amazon Prime. And uh, it's really a fun. It's fun. And it's, it's about co- people that cosplay and do that kind of stuff. And just the love of a movie. Because that's what that Which movie is, so is about fandom, too. You know, I love yeah, that exactly. movie so that's much. So funny it's funny about it. It's a comfort movie, and 
Having been a sci-fi fan my whole life, it's like that movie really gets it, you know? Yeah. It it's really... a meta. It's, a, it's a really one of the first meta films in many, yeah. many ways, you know? So, so check it out. Great. Great suggestion. Okay. 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 Chock full of good movies all in one podcast. Yeah. Get cracking, people. They'll, they'll <laughs> be a time. test. <laughs> this is a very, very informative episode, guys. We've we've created such a wonderful service here, thanks to Mike Flanagan and his list of uh, <laughs> movies that he created for us. <laughs> Mike Flanagan did all the work. Yeah. So we don't have to. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. He did all the work. Well, we could do a compiled list, and it would probably just be this list. So I'm just going to leave it at that. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Okay. Take care, all. That was a stay good one. Stay safe out there. Yeah. Stay safe. Stay. Stay in your house. Wash your hands. Cinemondo signing off. <laughs> <laughs>